Thank you, Pastor. I'm going to ask my husband to pray for me before I speak. Dear Lord Jesus, we praise you and thank you for this opportunity to be in your house this evening, Lord. Lord, I ask you, Lord, to minister unto Louise right now, Father. You've laid upon her heart this message that she'll bring forth, Lord. She is your servant surrendered unto you, Father. But as a household leader, I pray your blessing upon her. I pray your blessing upon this congregation now. And we give Jesus praise and glory for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Um, I want to tell you how humbled I am to be behind this pulpit. This is the place where the man and woman of God gives out the word of the Lord. And I am humbled to be here. And I thank our pastors for letting me have this opportunity. Tonight, I want to talk about spiritual focus. The year 2020. And when I heard that 2020, it, it just reminded me about focus. It just cries out focus to me. And I believe that the Lord in this year is calling the church back to greater spiritual focus. How many of you are like me? I so often have a hard time focusing on the things that are most important, and that would be my relationship to God Almighty. It seems to me that the enemy is majoring in distractions. I desire to sit quietly and read the Word, to worship and to pray, but the very atmosphere seems to be charged with swirling distractions. Our minds sometimes seem unable to settle down and glean nuggets from the Word of God. The ability to pray eludes us. I believe the enemy is pouring out rivers of distraction to scatter us and keep us off balance. The very fact that the enemy is putting so much effort into distracting us is a sure sign that the kingdom of God is moving forward. And for that, we should give God great praise. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for the, the, the church is moving forward, and I'm grateful for that. But at the same time, we still have the same problem, and that is distraction, the fragmenting of our attention, the diverting of our purpose to serve God with all of our heart, with all that is within us. So tonight, I feel like the Lord gave me this message that we might take stock of where we are spiritually. Now, I remember my salvation. Oh, I remember the great weight of sin that was lifted from my heart. I remember the joy of knowing that I belonged to Him and He belonged to me. I remember being filled with the Holy Spirit with the speaking in tongues. And I remember the incredible closeness that I felt to my God. I couldn't wait to get up in the morning. I, 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 I would go to bed thinking, I can't wait to get up because I want to be with my Jesus. Amen. <laughs> uh, I couldn't wait to figure out uh, to have him speak to me about every hour of the day and what his will is, was for me during that time. To say I was excited about serving my God is an extreme understatement. But I also have experienced times of less excitement. I remember times when the Holy Spirit would gently urge me to come apart and worship, 
to come apart and read the word, to come apart and pray. And I ask myself, what has happened to me? Why do I sometimes ignore the plea of the Holy Spirit, claiming that I am too busy doing what I'm doing to come aside? What has happened to the excitement of serving the Lord Jesus? What has happened to my first love, the first love I had for Jesus? And then the Lord began to speak to me. It wasn't that I was doing any gross sins. Now, I am a Martha in my personality rather than a Mary. You may remember that Martha was busy serving and Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And because I tend to be a Martha, I find being busy about the things of the Lord fit into my personality. But sometimes I can find myself doing things without first spending time in his presence. And the Holy Spirit began to speak to me months ago about the need to come back to my first love. The Holy Spirit put a hunger in me for the way things used to be. And I began to pray and say, God, I wrote in my journal, I've got to have more, God. I want more. I want more. More of your spirit. I want more. When I get into the word, I want more of the word. Uh, I, I want to hear your voice clearer than I have been hearing it. So in order to truly focus, there's something that I began to understand. We must have a goal that is supremely important to us. Do anything that you've done in your life that where you have succeeded, you had to focus on it, didn't you? And so we have to focus also on our spiritual life. I recently read a devotion that reminded me that the choices I make are in reality a test because my choices reveal my desires. Whether they are choices in the line with the Word of God or choices in line with my fleshy, carnal nature, the test is, will I choose to focus on God and His plan and His purpose for my life in this year? I'm praying that God will stir us all up with the desire to focus on Him. May focusing on God become the supremely important object of our affection this year in the year 2020. When you read in the Bible, it becomes clear that God wants us to focus on Him. Now, this is not because He's some egotistical being that demands our attention to validate Himself. No, <laughs> that's not the God we serve, is it? The God we serve uh, is a God of love. He truly loves us with an everlasting love. And so everything God asks of us is ultimately for our good. He created us and he knows what we need even if we don't get it sometimes. If you look in the Bible, you will see how the theme of focusing on God is reiterated over and over. For example, the daily sacrifices required by the law in the Old Testament for worship were intended to turn the people's eyes to God. God provided a Sabbath rest 
so the people would focus on him. Special feasts were prescribed by God to help the people focus and refocus on the great and wonderful God, his holiness, his goodness, his mercy, his power, and his willingness and ability to meet all of our needs. This focus on his goodness and mercy and power, all of these things help us to love him. And to, it brings us to the point where we can at least begin to, to follow his commandment to love him with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. We need to continually look to him, not to our own resources, not to the government, not to our family and friends. We are to focus on him and on him alone to meet our needs. And you know what we found? He is more than enough. Amen? He is more than enough. Focusing on God has some really wonderful benefits. The Word tells us that when we focus on God, we can have a life characterized by God's peace. Isaiah 16.3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Now, in the Hebrew, the term translated as perfect peace is actually shalom, shalom. The repetition communicates intensity. It isn't just shalom. It's shalom, shalom, or perfect peace. This word peace means so much more in the Hebrew language than it does in the English language. Biblical peace is not just the absence of war or conflict. It includes the idea of wellness, health in every area of our lives. Who can have this perfect peace? He whose mind is stayed on God. And the word stayed comes from a word that means to prop and carries with it the idea of leaning upon or taking hold of. Romans 8 tells us in verse 6 that to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. <laughs> I love that. When I put my focus intently on God, I can expect to be surrounded by God's peace. Another benefit of focusing on God is that we will better be able to discern the time that we are living through. Someone has said that in order to be where God wants us to be, that is to closely follow him, we need to figure out what he's doing and get on board. Ecclesiastes says, to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. Focusing on God will help us discern the time. In Matthew 16, Jesus calls the Pharisees and Sadducees hypocrites, saying, You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the time. Time can mean a season. The word can mean an, the opportune time or the right time. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I have missed the opportune time, the right time to move or speak. Josh told us recently about the danger of not discerning the right time and not seizing the opportune time. When we focus intently on God each day, our spiritual hearing becomes more acute. We become less likely to miss what, is, what he is doing in our day. 
Focusing on God helps us remember that life does not consist in the abundance of the things we possess. This is because when we find our deep satisfaction in our relationship with the God of the ages, we become less likely to depend on satisfaction from other things like material goods. This in turn takes off some of the pressure we experience living in a consumer-driven society that seems to shout at us all the time that we must measure our worth according to the things we accumulate or we must overwork to obtain temporal things. Remember what Jesus says in Luke 12, verse 11. He called a fool the one who lays up treasure for himself but is not rich towards God. Focusing on God will remind us that there's a very real, real spiritual principle of sowing and reaping. We must be careful what we sow, for we will surely reap at a later season and in a greater, I'm sorry, a greater amount than we sowed. But Hosea 10:12 admonishes us to sow for yourself righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. May we seek the Lord. Amen. Have you ever been guided by a look, the eye of a parent, or some other person who was in authority? Did you know that the Bible promises us, if we put our focus on him, that we will get guidance from him? Psalms 111.10 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And who wouldn't want wisdom and guidance from the one who knows the end from the beginning? I love this verse in Psalm 32.8. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. If we expect to be guided by God, we must have our attention focused on him. When we put our focus on the Lord, we can better receive the promises of God as we consider how faithful, how powerful, how kind, how merciful is our God. And we can come to the point of saying with Paul, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him until that day. Notice that this verse focus, the focus is on Jesus. Paul says, I know whom I have believed. Paul is focusing on the person behind the promises. It's the person of Jesus that is all-knowing and all-caring and all-able. When we focus on God, we have the assurance that our lives will not be lived in vain. Jesus tells us in John 15, 4, that if we abide in him, we will produce much fruit. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just spend my time occupying space in this world. I want to make a difference, so I must make the effort to focus on Jesus. I want to reap the benefits that come from putting my focus on my God, my Savior, my Jesus. I want to have peace, and I want to discern the time I'm living in. I don't want to miss out on opportunities to give a witness for my God and to say the right thing at the right time or do the right thing at the right time. 
Um, I want to experience satisfaction in life, and I want to sow the right kind of seeds, the seeds that will uh, produce a harvest of righteousness. I want God's guidance and the ability to receive his promises. I want to be fruitful, and I want to finish this race well. I'm reminded of Paul's admonition to run the race to win in 1 Corinthians 9.24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And verse 26, he continues with, Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight not as one who beats the air. Paul is saying here that he's out to win. He has a definite goal in mind, and he's not standing back waiting and half-heartedly wishing to win the race. No, instead he has his eyes on the prize and he's using every bit of energy and every resource. He's running hard to the finish line. He intends to win. He will accept nothing except complete victory. The writer of Hebrews says in chapter 12, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The one who runs a race has his focus on the finish line. He must not, he cannot indulge in looking back or looking to see where others are in their run. He must not slow down when he gets out of breath or begins to suffer hardship. No, he must forget all except the prize waiting at the finish line. And so must we also run. So how do we train ourselves to focus? First, I believe we pray. We know that in us there is no good thing. We don't have a desire to please the Lord in our natural person that we are. Uh, Romans says, for I know that in me, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. First uh, John 5.14 says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So let us begin by praying that the Lord would stir us up to obedience, would give us a desire to focus on him, would make us hungry to the point of starvation for more of him, more of his spirit, more of his word. We may even need to pray, Lord, make me willing to be made willing. Second, we don't like this word, but it is an all-important word in the Christian vocabulary, and that's the word discipline. If, we desire to if I desire to live my life focused on God, I have to discipline myself by arranging my day in such a way that I will accomplish the Christian disciplines of Bible reading and study, prayer, and worship. Now, this may mean that I have to get up earlier than I normally would or go to bed later. I remember David Wilkerson, who back in the late 60s and early 70s, had his private time with the Lord from midnight to 2 a.m. in the morning. And it was during this time set aside for worship that the Lord impressed upon him the plight of gang members. This is when Teen Challenge 
was born between midnight and 2 a.m. in the morning. I think of the story of Susanna Wesley, the mother of Charles and John Wesley. Susanna prayed two hours every day, sitting in a chair with her apron pulled up over her head for privacy, while 10 children played or studied at her feet. This mother of 10 who lived in the 1600s when there were no conveniences, found a time and a place for worship and prayer. Then I asked myself, why can't I? Why can't we? The time and the energy we need may come by putting aside some leisure pursuit like watching TV or movies or reading secular books or, or hobbies. It may come by laying aside some voluntary pursuits. When I make a choice to put my spiritual life ahead of my fleshly desires, I can expect to be blessed, and so can you. Thirdly, I may need to call out the enemy and his plan. When I sit down to have my time with the Lord, I can expect my enemy to send distractions. That's what he does. Sometimes I have to say to him the same thing that Jesus had to say, Satan, get behind me. You have no authority in my life. Be gone with your distractions in the name of Jesus. James 4, 7 tells us to submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from us. If you have a believing spouse or another member in your family that is pursuing a closer relationship with God, you may be able to support and encourage one another. Denny and Kay Smothers are our Sunday school teachers, and a few weeks ago they shared in Sunday school class that they pray together before they get out of bed each morning. Most of the time that Bill and I have been Christians, we've had our prayers separately, and we still do have separate prayers. But just recently, we have begun to pray together. This way, if one of us is distracted, the other one can say, come on now, it's time to pray. It helps us to be accountable. We've also began taking the Lord's Supper from time to time during our joint worship and prayer time. This causes us to remember Jesus and his sacrifice for us. And it's a holy, and it's a sacred time. And it may be something that you may want to try also. The main thing is that we need to be accountable to the Lord. We need to be accountable to the Lord. My spiritual life has been a matter of focus. My spiritual life has to be a matter of focused attention each day. I've got to live my life on purpose with the everyday renewed devotion to run the race set before me. If I mess up, I have to be quick to repent, to get up and start again. I don't have time to entertain any regrets. I have to keep the spiritual momentum going. And if I do these things... I will reap the fruit of a focused life, and the fruit is good. So I'm wondering if you are like me, maybe you have gone through this time when you remember being on fire for the Lord, couldn't wait to get up in the morning, and as time has gone along and, and you're busy and life goes on, perhaps you are like I was, and your, your ardor has cooled. Um, and if you find yourself in that position, remember that we pray. Remember that we make a choice 
and the choices we make show what's important to us. And I want to encourage you tonight to come forward and I want to encourage you you know, uh, Jonathan Ziegler is coming, I think, the 23rd. I love Brother Ziegler. He's an anointed man of God, and I look forward to his ministry. But you know what I'm praying? I'm praying that the palace of praise will be in full-blown revival when he gets here. And so he will, you know, we can, and also that we'll bring in the lost, but we want to be in revival. And if, so tonight, I invite you to come to the altar. I invite you to pray. If you need to renew, this is a day of renewal. This is a year of renewal. This is something that's changed in the atmosphere. I want to tell you that. It has changed. And I, as, as Bill and I have been focusing uh, all of, uh, since this new year and, and before, focusing on focusing our attention on God, God is doing something in us. We're getting stirred up. Praise the Lord. So I want to invite you to come and I want to invite you to get before the Lord and, and examine yourself. You know, have you grown cold in your spirit? Have you lost your first love? You know, I heard someone say, well, I used to be uh, this place for God and it was good and now I'm, uh, and it's not so good. Well, you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. God desires that we focus on him. God desires that we give him our all in all. So I'm going to invite you to come, find your place of prayer. If you are here and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ and the one wonderful joy that he gives. My husband and I are going to go and stand over by that chair over there. And if you're here and you need to talk to somebody about accepting Jesus as your Savior, if you have questions, you come over there and talk to us. Everyone who knows the Lord, come down and pray and let's get a hold of God tonight. Amen. <clears throat>